0: Hey what's up guys and welcome back to another episode of Listen Up Uh alright? Thank you so much, guys, for all the input, and uh, we've heard your suggestions, we've heard all the topics that you want to listen to, and we're so glad to be able to answer a lot of them as well, and today we have a very, very special guest with us, but before we introduce the guest, it's important for me to introduce the topic first of all, and uh, we have a very interesting topic today, right? It's a topic that I wish I knew a little bit more uh, when I was younger, because today we're speaking about what it means to be a man who fears the Lord. I wish there was a sound effect that goes, dong, uh, but yeah, today it's what it means to be a man who fears the Lord. Now, of course, uh, if you are <laughs> a lady who's watching this right now, uh, it doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to you, okay? Uh, because I believe when the Bible says, you know, a man who fears the Lord, uh, I believe it's actually referring to mankind, a woman and a man who fears the Lord. However, today's topic, yes, it is true, I am zeroing in on men. So if you're a lady watching this, uh, I am positive you will still benefit because I'm sure that there are men in your life as well. Uh, they are, you got husbands, you got boyfriends, you got a dad, you got a brother, you got a son. So I'm sure you'll be able to help the men in your life uh, become Uh, the man that God wants them to be. So in that way, I'm sure you'll also benefit. Perhaps next time we will have an episode where we talk about what it means to be a woman who fears the Lord. Now, today's topic is a very, very deep one. Uh, I would say a pretty... Pretty ump one huh and that's why we're gonna break it down into a little bit of like a two parts uh, in one topic. And the first part of this question that we want to delve into is uh, number one: what does it mean to fear God, right? How do we fear Him, or what even is the fear of the Lord? And secondly, after that, we'll be also discussing about. Uh, specifically how or what it means to be a man of God. The word man here, you know, what does it take for someone to go, wow, Brandon, when I look at you, you are a real man of God. Man, that's such a big, big compliment. So... And when it comes to man of God, we see a lot of examples of this in the Bible. Uh, but in today's world, of course, the challenge to be a man who knows the fear of the Lord, you know, with this uh, um, characteristics of a man, it's, it's getting increasingly increasingly tougher in this world. So f- with and for that, uh, we have a very special guest. Now it's time for me to introduce the guest. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, he is not an unfamiliar face. He has been on the show before, and you also recognize, I'm sure, his partner. Uh, in the form of YB Hannah Yo. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce, for the first time, Flying Solo with me today. <laughs> Usually, he's always with a pair, but he's an entrepreneur, the CEO and co-founder of Asian Mobility, also a son, a husband, and a father. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome on the show for the first time, as a solo man, Ram! Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome.
1: Thank you, Brendan. Thank you for having me. Glad to be on your show.
0: Yes, uh, Ram, uh, you know, today's topic, like I said, is very interesting, right? And I was thinking, you know, like, you are a son, you are a father, and you are also a husband, and you are also a man. And when I look at you, I do see all the qualities that, for me, when I understand it, I do, I do I do see those qualities and characteristics and those values in you. And so I'm very, very pleased, and I'm very, very... Honored to have you on the show to speak about what does it mean to be a man who fears the Lord. Now, Abram, if you don't mind, can we just delve straight and jump straight into it? Let's go. Let's, let's go. go, let's go. I love the and I love the energy. Okay. The first part of this deep question I want to tackle is this. What is the fear of the Lord? Now, there are many passages in the Bible that we know where it speaks about the fear of the Lord. You know, you hear this fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, you know, and having the fear of the Lord. It's it's a good thing to have. But by definition, the word fear is generally not a it's not a good word because there's so many negative connotations to it. When you think about the word fear, you think about someone who's really scared, you know, I, I dare not speak up, I dare not even look at that person because I fear that person. So, God, we know, is a loving Father, a good and a gracious God. And At the same time, this good and gracious God, you expect Him or you have this uh, sort of belief that He's this very cuddly big Abba Father who's ready to hug you, you know, ready to just give you an embrace. But at the same time, in His Word, we also say, we also hear the Bible calling us to fear the Lord. So how do you reconcile these two concepts you know uh, uh, between a good and a loving father and versus a God who has called him to call us to fear the Lord? How?
1: Yeah, I think I would I would I would add on another very common uh, reference um, you know, speaking about the spirit of fear in the Bible mm-hmm. uh, and, and place that as part of what we need to reconcile um, is the fact that the word also says that God does not give us the spirit of fear. Yeah. Uh, but of power, love, and sound mind, uh, and therefore that there is where the stark, you know, contradiction mm-hmm. lay. Right? Uh, it's that God does not give us fear, but yet we are asked to fear the Lord, uh, and uh, so hence, hence, uh, this is this, you know, this is the terrain of you know theology. Right? We've got to understand. Um, uh, we have got to understand the word. The word is perfect. The word actually does not contradict each other. The word is perfect. Uh, it's just our understanding that needs to be perfected. Um, And therefore, in this case, the fear of the Lord, if you look look back at at the original meaning of that word uh, in the Bible, the Hebrew meaning of the word actually does not mean the English meaning. Uh, The Hebrew meaning of the word actually refers to reverence, uh, deep reverence, uh, the sense of awe, sense of wonder, a sense of, of um, uh living authority, you know it's, it's it's this larger than life adoration of of something, right That is the real meaning of that word. Uh, but the English language has failed us in this case right mm. um, the, because the word fear that is being used in the bible because we have got that one word fear right um, and so uh, we are using that same word for this as well simply because i think uh, from an english language point of view uh, there isn't an adequate enough word to describe that kind of fear uh, like how it's being used in the root language which is hebrew uh, hence begs hence the question: Why didn't the English translators of the Bible? Yeah, just exactly. What is the want to ask? Like, all reverence or deep respect or something. Mm-hmm. I think it's because um, uh, if you were to use that, I think we kind of lose the actual meaning of what this uh, fear of the Lord actually means. Uh, because mm-hmm. if you just say "oh," um, it can be, you know, the if you say, "Look, we need to have awe of the Lord," or the awe of the Lord is the you know, beginning of wisdom, it kind of like loses its weight, uh, you know. Yeah, and and if you just say deep respect, it sounds like God is a like a like a school principal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. Is not so, so that's why it's a language failure, not so much, um, uh, uh, word or the word of God standing in contradiction to each other, and therefore, uh, if we take that approach and just understanding the root word of fear here, then it means, uh, and how do we relate to that, right? What is this deep awe? What is this deep respect? What is this, um, wonderment, you know, that we have of the Lord? What is it feels like? What is that, right? Uh, so yeah, you're right in the sense where it's not fear in a sense where we are called to be afraid of God. Mm, uh, right. That is not the fear that is expected of us here. It's actually completely the opposite. It's completely the opposite, right? There is a deep love and awe of God. And that deep understanding that God is above and beyond everything is the beginning of wisdom, right? Um, and and so, so from a day-to-day, from a practical human perspective, experience what is it like how can we compare it closest to right because that helps us understand actually what it is right um, uh i read somewhere about this where um, i think the writer wrote about the closest thing you can you uh you can you can experience um uh is like standing at the edge of the grand canyon Right. This is obviously an American writer. So he's using something where he has got access to. Uh, But for us here in Malaysia, for example, I would say maybe uh, if you are standing at the top uh, of the tallest building in Malaysia, uh, the new, you know, Manara 118, for example, that literally reaches the clouds. Right. If you were to stand on top of that. um, In fact, the engineers took a picture of that. They were at the top. I'm not sure if you've seen this uh, where the clouds were literally at the back of him uh, at the top of the tower right uh and if you are if you were to place yourself there and you look down that's the kind of fear that's the kind of deep sense of awe mm-hmm. that oh my god you know this this is amazing and this is uh the nation that god built uh and uh, this is the world that he loves you know that it's that kind of a sense of awe that actually grips you right mm-hmm. Like you you then realize how small you are uh And and uh, that is the fear of the Lord, uh, the way I would I would understand it, and I think that's that is the real meaning of the word uh, to be really caught up uh, in the sense of the big the bigness of God and the largeness of who He is, and realizing that 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 uh, He is more than we can what than what we can comprehend. Mm -hmm. That is the fear of the Lord.
0: I love how you explain so. Clearly and you use illustrations as well because it is true, you know, because a lot of Christians, not just non Christians, right? A lot of Christians ourselves, we grapple with this concept of the fear of the Lord. Uh because in many ways it really doesn't make sense. But once you sort of uh be able to explain that this word fear, what it what it's what um uh, you know, what it uh holds, you know, it's not just that feeling of afraid, you know, you're not scared of something, but it's more of deep reverence and you're having deep awe for it's just this, one is wondrous being and how magnificent and how awesome he is. And then it sets the word fear in a completely different light. And I actually quite like that you pointed out as well, you know, that even though it may be a language failure, but at the same time, you did, you did say that it would be very awkward if you put like, you know, the awe of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It sort of downplays it a little bit, you know what I mean? It sort of downplays the, the, the weightage of the word. So in many ways, I do thank God that the word fear has been maintained in the Bible. Although, you know, a lot of us, we come to this point, where, what is, what does it mean to be feared a lot? Now, yeah. bearing in mind that we are all his children, we are uh, called children of the most high God. So as we mature as Christians and I walk with him and our relationship with him, as it deepens, um, should, this fear of God increase or decrease? You know, should we be because as you grow closer and closer to God, you sort of get more and more buddy with Him, for lack of a better word. Like, you know, He's like, like bro, bro, you know, He becomes like such a buddy for Him. And you see that happening quite a lot, you know, like, oh, Jesus is you know, my best friend, you know, Jesus is like a friend, you can talk to me like a friend. And that's what the encouragement is for a lot of people to help people to pray as well, you know, just talk to Him like a friend and everything like that. And when, when people say talk to Him like a friend, in many ways, you know, a lot of people who are very critical may have a problem with that because in the in the light of a reverend God you know who's this one, and you say you're talking like a friend it's almost like you're not giving him the respect he sort of, he deserves you know and and so as we delve as we get closer and closer to God our relationship we're in deeper, with him deeper would this fear of God should it increase or should it decrease you know what i mean
1: yeah, yeah. i I think we should approach it from uh, what is the fear meant to create and what is meant to mm. do, right? The fear as to the original meaning of the fear, which, which we just spoke about. Um, and, and, you know, back, back to what the word has said, the fear is the beginning of wisdom. Mm. And therefore, as, as we walk with God, we are to grow wiser with Him. Um, and and uh, that is the outcome, right? So it's not to be, uh, you know, caught up with only standing in reverence. You've got to stand in reverence so that you grow in wisdom, and therefore, once you grow in wisdom, then your understanding of what that fear is grows as well, right? So then he then he is many things to you. Then he is father to you. He is brother to you. He is friend to you. He is counselor to you. He is teacher to you. He is. You know um, uh, uh, the great shepherd to you, right? Uh, so, so then, then it actually increases. It naturally mm-hmm. increases the fear of the Lord now becomes much larger uh, than, than a, a one-dimensional God. He he is everything to us. Yeah. So then, then it obviously is going to increase.
0: Yeah, yeah that makes so much sense uh, thank you so much for explaining this concept of fear of the Lord I'm sure it will benefit a lot of uh, Christians especially young Christians new Christians you know who just gotten to know the Bible and when they start reading the Bible the word fear of the Lord appears uh, so many times and they sort of you know, maybe have so many questions what does it mean to fear the Lord how to fear the Lord and, and now that we've gotten that you know sort of explained you know, and sort of understood by the audience and by the both of us um, we want to talk about the next thing now this next thing is something that really I wish I knew when I was a Younger man, or maybe a young teenager, uh, but a man who fears the law. We have so many examples in the Bible. You know, we have David, who's called a man after God's own heart. You know, uh, uh, Abraham, like God's friend. You know, this and and they're all they're all great men in the Bible, and they're all great men of God. And to but to be a man who fears the law, I specifically. Narrowed it down to men instead of a person who fears the Lord, all right? Because we all know women can also fear the Lord and in their own capacity. But I narrowed it down to a man because I believe there is a difference. Uh, there is a difference between men and women and the roles uh, and of men and women. they are two very different roles as well. Uh, not that they cannot be intertwined or anything like that, but there are specific roles for men and women, at least in the Bible, on from a biblical perspective. So. In your opinion, let's just start off from the surface first. What makes a man, in your opinion, what makes a man a man? Would you consider, uh, in your life, would you consider yourself a man? You know, And, 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 and who would you consider, for example, giving a good example in your life, maybe it's your, you know, whoever, who would you consider a man?
1: Yeah, uh, I would definitely consider myself uh, a man of God and a man who fears mm. God. Uh, but very much uh, with the perspective of operating under um, this this uh, this respect and great awe of God, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my context. Um, so so I, and hence that is what gives me security as a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it is not it is not me being being the king of the mountain. I serve. A, king and and he places me on the mountain right and so i'm in the same place as another guy who who may not know god and may not know the fear of god but really also sees himself as a man the difference is that he owns the mountain i don't own the mountain right i i, I am placed on the mountain right? that's a that's great, great
0: analogy great yeah. great analogy yeah Yeah.
1: So, so so in that sense that is that is how i see it um and and who who in my life whom I see as men of God? Obviously, I've got many friends uh, uh, who love God and serve God, and and uh, in their own ways and in their own uh, industries, in their own mountains, on their own mountains. Uh, and those and those are the men of God that 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 I you know really recognize. Um, so so while while I was a full time pastor at some point, uh, but my men of God are not necessarily full time ministers. Are not necessarily mm-hmm. pastors. Um, uh, that is not how I see men of God. Uh, you know, men of God. You, Brandon, you are a you are a genuine, bona fide man of God to me, right? Um, and and so that is how I view it. Actually, men who serve God and men who know their places on the mountain. Mm. Uh, that's, those 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 are my men of God.
0: Right now, one of the things that define uh, a man, you know, besides obviously the biological anatomy of a man, is uh, are what we call the characteristics and qualities of a man. When you think of a man. Uh, you know you think of uh someone to many people the, the their world view of a man is very different right uh so some people who in our parents' generation a man is someone who's of a lot of brute force you know there's a, someone who's an authoritarian you know someone who's's got a very strong uh a dominion over something or someone you know and that that's their world view of a man and obviously as Christians uh, or, so some of us who weren't Christians and then became Christians the world view of a man also changes the view of how we view a man and what a man is supposed to look like also changes and the the thing is that we are fed in today's world with a lot of things like toxic masculinity where, you know, whenever we talk about a man being a man, uh, it gets thrown under the bus as something like, ah, this guy is being a misogynist. You know, this guy is, 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 is really, you know, this guy, there's no equality. And you get, you get sort of these kind of topics where uh, the word masculinity comes up and it's really a very bad word. But at the same time, in the Bible, we know that masculinity is a thing. There is such a thing as biblical masculinity, uh, maybe I should ask you first whether you think uh, whether there is such a thing as biblical masculinity. Do you think such a thing even exists?
1: Yeah, I think from a from a point of view of of how the man is wired, yeah. Uh, you know how how in God's view um, uh, he has wired and constructed men versus female. That mm-hmm. that is where there are some key differences, mm-hmm. uh, whereby uh, the you know biblical view and and the godly construct of a man. Uh, is not a theoretical principle it is it is actually in your natural being uh god-shaped men uh you know differently from how he has shaped women right, right. Uh, and so hence there are we must recognize there are differences that's the first point the baseline is that we need to recognize there are clear differences uh, mm. in the construct of a man, uh, in the thinking of a man, how he thinks, how he processes things, uh, and how how he's naturally inclined towards certain things as opposed to the female, right? Um, so, And that's a godly thing. God shaped us differently, right? Mm-hmm. We see that. How did God, you know, construct a man and how did he construct a woman? Very different, Right? Hence, there are clear differences. God intended it to be different for a reason. Mm-hmm. And that reason is because men then, um, and if you read through uh, uh, the Bible and just take the examples of, of God himself uh, who became a man, uh, how did this man operate? What, what was his principles in life? Uh, how did he carry himself? Mm-hmm. And um, you see that uh, uh what makes a man and what is really uh, uh we are geared for uh is leadership not yep. so much brute force jesus wasn't wasn't the strongest man alive uh you know because <laughs> the strongest man alive is the guy who pulls who pulls a a, a plane with his teeth you know uh, that does not make a man you know um it's its leadership how do you lead people how do right. you lead your family uh, so we are geared for leadership i'm not saying that you know women can't be leaders mm-hmm. it's just that we we are more natural leaders right yep. uh, and and we are called to provide leadership um, mm-hmm. uh, to our wife uh, to our children to our family so so that's the natural role and hence god made us predisposed to that like we 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 should we should embrace leadership right mm. Uh, so that's so that's one, but also men from a point of view of being able to empower others around us. I think that's a very key trait. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we talk about uh, uh, men and and our group of friends. You know, and men generally have, you know, thrive when you have your your circle of friends and and more than women, right? Even though they do have that. But I think we are more naturally geared towards wanting that and, you know, being able to consciously maintain uh, that, you know, that friendship, that, you know, that the men stuff, that boys, the wolf pack, some of them call it, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, we are naturally geared like that. Why? It's because uh, there, is, there is a natural thing within us in order to empower others to enable others and and to build community right we are great at that that comes from leadership right you need a leader in order to do all of that and yeah. so that's 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 a byproduct of leadership as well and so hence uh, we are naturally called to enable people so so i see that as a key quality of a man how uh, how we can use that to enable the people around us like like what i do for my wife and how each of us as husbands should do that for our wives uh, mm-hmm. and for our kids as well to empower them and uh, that comes clearly from Jesus himself where mm-hmm. he says if 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 you follow me you will do greater things than what i do right you know for a for a father and a husband to say that i lead you but you will you will do greater things than me right uh, my kids will do greater things than me my wife will do greater things than me right uh, that that is what makes a man you know so so that uh, that flies completely in the face of the world right that flies completely in the face of even asian culture who where where you you know your father is the best at everything uh, the wife cannot outdo him the wife cannot outperform uh, the husband right uh, the man of the house uh, that's actually not very biblical or not very godly Uh, Because if Jesus himself, if God himself says you follow me and you'll be better than me, you'll do greater things than me, uh, that comes from a place of immense security right mm-hmm. and and uh, so we need to operate from that place as men if you operate from that place of security then you have no problem seeing your wife doing better than you your kids doing better than you your family really thriving because of you uh, without you having to take all the glory and the credit right mm-hmm. uh, that so so that is something that we all need to strive to become
0: wow that that what you just said really sounds like dying to self it's it's really yes. sounds like putting yourself you know not on a pedestal but putting yourself literally much lower than 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 you know than the world would see you and and allowing others uh and specifically you know things people like your wife your family your children to go above and beyond you and so you are providing that stepping stone and that's a very I would say the word is sacrificial lah. that's a mm. very self dying mm. self self uh, sacrificial thing and and you know the the truth is it's we are seeing less and less of this. You know, we are seeing less and less of this. Uh, Of this, uh, where you just mentioned all these qualities, you know, where it's okay. You know, it comes from a position of immense security. And I wonder, has it got anything to do with the word security? Because as we see less and less of this, when I say we see less and less of this, is everybody wants to be number one right and uh, it's so much still steeped in our culture today where you no know, I, I must be the top you know if I'm the man I'm well, you listen to me you submit to me I mean that's a topic for another day la, why we submit to us you know, you, but you submit to me you listen to me I have the final say and we, we, see, we start to see this trend more and more and we see less and less of what you just said why do you think this is so why, why is this disappearing uh, instead of you know increasing but it's really getting less and less of this would you say because this, the 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 immense security that you that Jesus had is not in us or you know maybe even the identity of, of a man being a man is under attack what 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 contributes to this being less and less in the world
1: yeah i think it's absolutely um, um, you know something that is coming under intense attack Mm. Uh, because of the fact that a lot of our promise and purpose is locked in that, right? If you if you were to operate from that place, you release blessings. Uh, there is godly purpose that will be outworked out of that for your family, for your children, for your wife, for the community, for the nation, and therefore uh, the enemy knows this, right? Mm. And, and and hence, uh, if I want to stop uh, a nation uh, from really being that, uh, you know, godly nation. Uh, I will have to uh, uh, stop the source of this blessing. Wow! Yeah. The blessing is locked up in us, men. You yeah. know, and 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 if we are corrupted, and and if we and we are you know taken to the wayside, and 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 stop seeing ourselves as how God sees us. Uh, uh, everything else. Uh, actually is affected and disrupted. The plans of God for our family and community and nation and world is affected, is disrupted. And therefore, that's very clear. It's just the problem is that the enemy knows this better than sometimes we do, right? right. And uh, so he knows where to attack. Uh, he goes up straight to the man and he knows if I if I lure the man away uh, and they don't see themselves the way God sees them, the entire purpose for their family is... Uh, uh, is gone right uh, so yeah it's definitely under attack and we must not make uh, we we must not downplay that right uh, it's it's and and then it comes down to all these issues with gender right uh, and that is where it stands if you can mess people up in terms of being able to firstly identify themselves as men or women and just mm-hmm. create confusion in that space then of course everything else that we spoke about is not going to happen
0: Wow, these are very, very powerful w- words Ram. because it's such, it serves as such a great reminder when you said the enemy knows where to attack and the enemy actually knows your weakness probably sometimes more than you know it yourself. And what you mentioned just now was so powerful, not just in a family context, but in a community context, in a social construct, even up to a, a nationwide context because what you say is so true and it resonated so much with me that, you know, the enemy knows. So once he brings down the man once it brings down that natural leadership, without vision, people die. So when you bring down that person who is the vision giver, instantly the family is just gone. The family is broken. You know, instantly the nation will be corrupted. Instantly, you know, once the man is laid to the wayside, instantly things start to fall and you, you said it on the nail on the head because the enemy knows, you know, and it's very important for us as Christians to know the plan of the enemy so that we can defend ourselves better. So that was very, very good reminder, very powerful words. I'm learning so much from you today, and I want to talk a little bit more about this. Uh, when when I first became a husband, right, I'm a very newly married man, less than one year, and when I first became a husband, uh, the understanding of a man, like I said, is. is it's constantly growing in me how to become a man, how to become a, a, a husband, right? How to become a a a a future father as I prepare in this stage of a husband. So, you know, and you're right, because um I mean this is a personal example, but I realized that when when you know, I as a Christian, you know, I have I have valleys as well. You know, you go through the desert road sometimes. You know, being a Christian doesn't mean it's a bed of roses, it's always on a high. And I was going through this very low level where I didn't even bother with my devotion—I didn't read the Word of God. I really, didn't spend any time with God. And and as I realized this, right, you know what else I realized, my wife's spiritual walk and spiritual life was also going down, and I was stumped because here's the thing: my wife's background. She came. She comes. She's very in tune with the Holy Spirit. In fact, I came from a more conservative church, you know, and and and. But as I as I am as I. Went down. She also went down, which really stumped me because a lot of times I look to her to sort of refresh me sometimes spiritually. But I was like, "What is going on? You know, why I'm down and she's also going so so down down down." And and it's true because when I look at the Bible, it's a lot of biblical examples. And I gave this example which I forgot, and now I remember it again. You remember when the fall of man, right? You know the very famous story when Eve was deceived, she ate the forbidden fruit, uh, and then she gave some to Adam, and then you know the first sin of man. What's so interesting, and I realized when I read this story, was that when God came to look for them after the sin was committed, in the Bible, it says he, he, he looked for the men. This is so surprising, you know, because it is the, technically all the men can say, hey, it's Eve who gave to me the fruit, you know, it's Eve who got deceived, you know, and she gave it to me. But, and and of course the Lord knows this, right the Lord was watching this as it unfolds, you know watching this sin happen as it unfolded. But yet when the Lord went back to the Garden of Eden, he called out for the man first. He didn't say, where is Eve?" He said, uh, you know he was looking for the man, not the woman. and that gives you so much sense of the leadership that man is innately born with, you know that if we fall. People will also fall with us. The wife will fall with us. The children, or so you know, the family unit. And that's why I just wanted to share this example because when you said that, I instantly it clicked with me. Uh, because that's what I experienced myself, and that's why I realized when I read stories like Genesis. You know, and he asked the man. The Lord asked the man. He didn't ask Eve. He asked the man first. Yeah,
1: yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, you know, uh, God. God. You know, created us, and you know, knowingly uh, that that uh, the man is the leader. Right, and mm-hmm. therefore, when God places Adam in the garden, he he knows that there's a leader in the garden, and so when God enters the garden, he respects leadership. God mm-hmm. respects mm-hmm. leadership, right? So this this is all uh, is meant to actually uh, uh, inform us as men, you know, uh, that that uh, you know leadership is is uh, huge uh, with us, even though it's meant to be shared, and you know, women can be leaders as well. But the yep. weight of leadership. Um, is actually on us, right? Um, and uh, so, and and God sees it that way as well. When He enters the garden, which He made, God made the garden, God made the world, God made this man. But yet, He He has installed leadership in that garden through that man. And therefore, yeah. when He enters the garden, He respects leadership. God respects the leader which He installed, and then He looks for the leader. Where yeah. is the man, right yeah. where is the man? Uh, so so, hence uh, there there is a sense of. Uh, not just weight upon us, it's weight that we carry. And that is where I feel sometimes men, when they hear about leadership, they feel that um, it kind of, it's it's a burdening thing. It's actually, mm. it's not, it's an empowering thing. It's mm. meant to be an empowering thing. Men should not crumble under the weight of leadership. Men should bring leadership into the things that we carry, right? And therefore, uh, that is where God is being gracious with us, where Because if God were to say, I made you with leadership characteristics, with the leadership construct, but at the same time, he does not empower us to be the leader. That is where the problem will arise. But God doesn't do that. God says, you are created for leadership and I empower you to lead the mountain, to lead the garden, right? Uh, So then he releases us. He actually releases us to go and make the mistakes, to go and, you know, fall down. And and you are, you know, not going to lead your wife really well at some times, right? Uh, And that happened quite quickly with the first man. Uh, So hence, it is meant to show us that, uh, you know... With you know, leadership, with the mental of leadership, it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect leaders. Uh, but it does mean that we need to recognize that uh, uh, we, we have been entrusted with leading, uh, it's not something for us to claim on our own. Yeah. And therefore, with that, there is a fallback mechanism for us, which means uh, the fallback is that, uh, like what we spoke about, that wolf pack, right? You've, mm-hmm. got your, you've got your brotherhood. You can go back and and share, you know, your struggles and all of that. The first man also did that. The first man had a friend whom he walked with on a daily basis in the garden, and that friend was God, right? Mm-hmm. And so he had the first wolf pack, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, where it was the two of them. Right? God was walking with Adam on a daily basis in the garden. Uh, and that is actually what we need. Men should not lead alone. Men should not lead alone. And this should lift off some of the ungodly burden that some of our men carry. That they feel that, uh, and you hear this all the time, that leadership is a lonely place. It shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Leadership shouldn't be a lonely place. Uh, you've got those whom you lead, right? And then whom you uh, lead with. And then those whom 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 you can go to, who are also fellow leaders, right? Uh, and then of course God as well, right? So you mm. must be able to. Uh, men must consciously not lead alone. One of the one of the you know biggest uh, 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 risk, right, for men is this: that when you start leading alone, when you begin finding yourself in a lonely place of leadership, that's a very dangerous place to be.
0: Mm, that's very wise words, you know, and. And it it really also speaks to me as well, you know, because I think all of us are leaders in our own rights, you know, and we have people that we lead as well. Uh, and it's true sometimes, uh, you know, leadership can be lonely, and you hear so many people say that, and I'm guilty as charged because unfortunately I have said the same things before. But um, I mean that that boils down to the problem of leadership, not not really the problem with you know the the your, the, your people or your, your team, it's actually you, because uh, mm-hmm. the truth is you sometimes carry a lot of ungodly burden where you don't have to do it alone, but you choose to take it upon yourself and do it alone. And that's when it starts to become a really lonely journey. So I think, yeah, you've spoken to me much more than I anticipated, Ram. <laughs> you've spoken to me way more than I actually expected. Now, um, back I want to talk a little bit about family context, right? Uh, in a family context, the, the, the view of a man, man we know is the spiritual head of the family, right? We know is the head of the household, uh, yet, of course, a lot of times when we read the Bible, I you know I, did, I said I didn't want to talk about this, but I felt it was quite inevitable, especially as a married man now myself. Um, but it says in the Bible, "Where wives submit to your husbands." And um, taken out of context, misinterpreted, probably one of the most misinterpreted verses in the Bible: <laughs> "Wives submit to your husbands." Uh, but also, you know, reminded to husbands, you know, love your wife as how Christ has loved you. So how 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 do you combine this to to make it? To make the the wife the the camp of wives happy with submitting to the husbands and make the, the wolf pack also happy, uh, to to, to to you know to say yes yes this, this verse is, is correct you know how, how how are you gonna combine this and explain this verse in the most yeah. biblical way that you can?
1: Yeah, so it's the similar problem that we had at the start where we spoke about fear, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, fear it be and and God, you know, does not give fear. Yeah. Right. So it's one of those other contradictions. Yeah, right? Mm. Uh, you know, submission, but yet, uh, uh, you know, husband love, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So exactly. it seems as though it's a contradiction. Actually, it's not. Uh, the submission is not to a man. The submission is to his leadership, mm. right? And so if there is no leadership, what are you submitting to, right? You can mm-hmm. only submit to a leader. If, if that person is not providing leadership, what are you submitting to, right? Wow. And so it's predicated upon the fact that it's so God assumes that, God has made a right assumption. It's a right assumption that man, husband, there is leadership already. You are providing leadership already and therefore wives submit to that leadership, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and then husbands love your wife, right? Because as a leader, that is what you're meant to do. You are meant to... uh, You're meant to... Basically, uh, you know, cause those whom you lead to thrive, right? And for your wife to thrive, she needs to receive your love, right? So, So that is what it's based on. But if you just take it out of context and you don't actually understand the role of the man here, and you think that just because he's got a title, somebody needs to submit to him, then that's completely wrong and that's actually cheapening what God has created. Mm,
0: very, very good, and, and and you know, it's it's also beware to all of you out there listening who's been using this out of context or misinterpreting it. You know, don't cheapen God's word, right? Because that's really not what He meant at all. And you know, I love I love when you said that. Uh, this is this is so important for men to know because uh, your wife needs to submit to leadership. You're not submitting to the, because you're the man. There's a title. You're a man, so that you're submitting to a person. You know, therefore you're submitting to a person. No, if there's no leadership, you're right. There's actually nothing to submit there's nothing to submit to in the you know nothing to submit to in the beginning so I love that when you mentioned that because that that tells you the, the weightage as well you know that the the natural calling of a man you know you need to as men I feel you, you need to pick up the mantle knowing yeah. that you know God created you for such a time such a role in such a place uh, you must be able to pick up the mantle as well now when we look at Jesus uh, we look at the model of Jesus right what what kind of qualities would you say it's it's one of the best qualities that we can pick out from uh, being a man of God, being a man who who knows the fear of the Lord, being a man after God's own heart. When you look at Jesus himself, uh, who was I think probably arguably the best model of a man, what what qualities would you say is you know this, this is what's lacking in the world and this is something that we really need to take after Jesus. We need more of this today in the men.
1: Yeah, uh, like like what I shared earlier about Jesus saying, if you follow me, you will do greater exploits than me, right? Yep. That, is, that is one huge thing that has always rested with me mm-hmm. um, in, you know, guiding me as a husband and as a father. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then if you want to, I mean, there are many things that we could look at, uh, but I think um, and, you know, how, how he has led his disciples as well, uh, the band of 12, right, yep. that's the that's a wolf back there, um, and how he led that, how he provided leadership uh, to his to his disciples, whom he treated as friends and compatriots. Mm. Um, uh, you know, it's a lot that we can learn from there. But uh, for me personally, uh, I think Brendan, uh, I would like to much rather make it more relatable uh, because with Jesus, you know, some some get caught up with the fact, oh no, he's not he's God, he's God. Of course, not, right?
0: so, yeah, he's Jesus-wise.
1: You'll <laughs> come up with excuses as to why they can't actually measure up. Sure. Right? Because your, you know, comparison is God, right? Yeah, so yeah, true. in a sense, I would look for another example in the mm-hmm. Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, I think uh, uh, whom I would relate to the most um, as, as a character from the Bible, uh, as far as a man who fears God yeah. and the qualities yeah. that make that, uh, I would go to to apostle paul mm-hmm. uh, and and the reason why i say that is because this is a man that had to fight through um, um uh his, he he was first an enemy of god mm-hmm. right uh, and and uh, god had to work with him there and bring him through a to to a place of salvation mm-hmm. uh, and then the miraculous things that paul does after that a complete transformation um, and uh paul is one of those who are who are both uh, who was both at the same time men of ministry and men of marketplace um, and therefore I relate a lot to paul uh, and the other thing with that is the fact that in his letter to the corinthians paul writes about a thorn in his flesh yep. uh, I relate with that and men actually must relate to that right mm. we all have thorns in our flesh our brokenness our weakness right uh and and uh and and how paul was open about it uh, he was you know he he was recognizing it he was open about it and at the same time he was celebrating it and that is what we as men actually the world uh, has made it very difficult for men to celebrate our thorns Mm-mm-mm. and when you don't celebrate your thorns you're going to celebrate your flesh and that is where the enemy wants to park us in Right. Uh, But so rather than celebrating the flesh, uh, we should be able to be more open about our weaknesses, our brokenness, the thorn in our flesh. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And learning how to do that, you know, learning how to do that, being that, that, that sort of vulnerability in men. Right. Mm-hmm. That vulnerability is what is going to keep us on the straight and narrow, actually, because otherwise your leadership quality is going to go into overdrive. You're the leader in you will go into overdrive. And then you're going to crank up that uh, sort of I'm the king of the hill thing. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm the biggest guy in the room. I'm the I'm the guy who's making the most bucks. And, you know, you know, all of, Then you get trapped with the flesh. But the thorn is there to keep you on the straight and narrow, mm-hmm. and uh, so so that's the reason why God has done that, you know. So so for me, I really want to learn as much as possible from Paul in the Bible, uh, and 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 how he deals with that thorn and and uh, you know, uh, being able to recognize the thorns in our fleshes. I think it's a very important quality to have.
0: Mm, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Ram. That is fantastic. You know, and and it's, it's true. You know, because if you use Jesus as an example, you're right. You know, and people be thinking, of course, lah. You know, it's Jesus, but you know, of course, he can do it that way. He's perfect. No, no sin is in him is found. But I love the example of Apostle Paul as well. And you mentioned the thorn in the flesh and men. You know, and you're right because so far we've been talking as men as this. You know, almost like a straight and arrow. You know, no, no, no weakness. But actually, as men, I would say we have probably more weaknesses than women, you know, yeah. and uh, we see across history, you know, we don't have to look at biblical history, don't have to look at Jewish times, we can look at today's modern history and we see so many men of God, not just regular men, but men of God also falling, mm. also who have fallen, mm. and you're right, you know, because men are also so susceptible to temptation, we, are, we men are also so susceptible to things of the world, and the moment, you know, we try to put ourselves like okay there's nothing wrong with me then you're right we're actually sort of serving the flesh already we're looking towards the flesh and not towards God and 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 I know you see so many of these examples so I love it that you gave the example of Apostle Paul now Ram, we're slowly running down the time uh, as well but you know this has been such an insightful conversation and I absolutely loved it I learned a lot from you as well and I'm sure many men uh, and women you know have also taken something of value today and uh, to those of you who are listening in right now you know, we really hope you've learned a thing or two about this and uh, before we let you go, Ram, um, again as always, you know we do it on the show. Anything the Holy Spirit is just leading on, you know, leading you on to say um, to to men as a man, uh, to all men who are listening out there right now. Anything to say?
1: Yeah, I think you know, just just um, um, from from that sharing about Paul in the Bible, I think there's a lot for us to learn, um, and and there is a lot for us to celebrate about being men. I think it's time that that we recognize that. Um, that that you know being being uh, men of God and you know biblical men. Uh meaning men that is shaped after God's uh, purpose and God's vision for us uh, I think there is a lot more that we can do uh, but there is also a lot more that we need to celebrate about ourselves uh, men need to take time um, to actually uh, enjoy what they're doing enjoy leadership enjoy the world um, um, because God so loved the world right uh, but yeah. yet some you know you know sometimes we go in we go and hide in the cave you know this, this this whole man in the cave mindset right you you the man cave right uh that, that actually seems to indicate that you want to isolate yourself from everything else and build your own little thing um i that's fine you know we we all can do that you know and and we are the head of the home and and we can build your own man caves if you want but uh but you know spiritually Right, we should not build our caves. Uh, mm. Spiritually, we should be out there. Spiritually, we need to connect uh, with people. We need to ensure that we remain connected uh, and and don't lead don't lead alone. Right, uh, and uh, so there there will be there will be times that men have to be alone. Uh, mm. You know, you walk with God in your garden. Uh, you need to walk with God alone. Don't bring your dogs along on that walk. <laughs> uh, but 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 that is not how you lead. You know, that is when you actually learn how to lead you're not leading when you're walking with God he's leading you right and so when you're leading you should not walk alone uh, you you must be able to uh, plug yourself into community
0: mm. Fantastic words. Thank you so much for sharing around. I really appreciated this time with you and I really appreciated your your sharing as well. So uh, a massive, massive thank you for being on the show and talking about this topic. Uh, you know, I hope you guys are listening as well. I hope you've really enjoyed it as well. Uh, if you have enjoyed it, if you feel like you've learned something of value, you know, be sure to share it with your friends, your cg your church members your church and of course uh, as we close don't forget guys uh, we have a community as well that you can hang out with uh, a community of fun uh, loving people you can do life with you can join our discord community the link is in the description below and of course uh other things as well on social media be sure to follow us on all other platforms like instagram youtube spotify you can stream us there as well on google Podcasts and apple Podcasts. rum you've been such a delight to have on the show i'm so honored and privileged to have you absolutely enjoyed the conversation as well and and honestly i've taken away so much things of value um you know thank you so much for being here again uh, god bless you and uh, i cannot wait to see as well even though you're older than me but i cannot wait to see where god leads you and takes you uh as a man of god so god bless <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you guys again next time. This has been Listen Up uh, with myself and Ram. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.